Delaware State of the Arts. I'm Andy Truscott. My guest today is Reggie Lynch, the Director of Interpretation and Engagement at Winterthur Museum, Garden and Library. In her position, Reggie is tasked with creating and managing the strategy for visitor engagement at Winterthur through general visitations, tours, programs, school visits, and family experiences. Supervising a team of 70 to 80 full and part-time employees, Reggie is often the guiding force behind the museum's public persona. Reggie, thank you so much for joining me today. And as we kick off, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how you found yourself breaking into the creative sector and how you find yourself at Winterthur currently. Absolutely. So um, I am born and bred Wilmington. I was I was raised here. Um, I uh, have kind of lived a lot of different places and worked at a lot of museums uh, since leaving for college. Um, but, you know, the, the arts in Delaware has always been a, a crucial part of my life and my upbringing. Um, I was really lucky to have parents who took me to the Delaware Art Museum and took me to Winotour and, and all of these, these other really beautiful sites here in our state. And I worked at Winotour about a decade ago. I was uh, in a role in public programs for about a year. Um, I went on a, a little walk about after that and kind of bounced around for a bit. But um, yeah, I'm just so excited to be back now. I've been back for almost two years uh, in this role and I love it. I, I have a fantastic team um, and we're, we're doing some really exciting stuff. What are some of your favorite responsibilities in your position, which clearly is kind of wide swath, right? You have a lot of <laughs> verticals that run up to you. Yeah. Um, so what are some of your favorites? Yeah. I mean, I love, I work with an incredibly creative group of people and I love any projects that really allow us to collaborate. So um, we have begun to create a process for just, for example, for tours that run through the house. Um, and it's become an incredibly creative process. We have a group of um, seven full-time interpreters on our team, and they have really come together to create these really special experiences in a, in a very old, very large, very complicated house. Um, and they're, they're creating these experiences for visitors that are just so special. I know they're creating memories that, you know, people are just going to remember forever. For those listening that maybe have never been to the museum, garden, and library, uh, can you talk a little bit about just the setup, right? Some may think of Winterthur as just the garden. Some may think of it as just the house. Um, yeah. But what is the, the estate that is Winterthur? That is an excellent question. <laughs> we ask ourselves that a lot. Um, so it is, you know, I think you at there are over 200 people who work here. I think you ask any one of them and you might get a slightly different answer. Um, but I think at the heart of it, what this place is, is it is a place for respite. Um, when our founder, HF DuPont, first thought about, you know, he had grown up at Winotour um, as an estate and he, over the course of his lifetime, significantly expanded the gardens, the house, of course, the decorative arts collection. Um, but all along, he this really was a place of respite for him. And he wanted to create a place where people could come, they could be in touch with nature, they could be in touch with history um, and, and really just find moments to connect with themselves and connect with these larger stories around them. 
what unique challenges or opportunities do you encounter when it comes to engaging visitors in this kind of historic museum setting? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges we have here kind of is this idea of that we're that I've already kind of been talking about of this is a really complicated place. Um, so we we often get visitors who are brand new. And I think a lot about um, you know, for somebody who has never been here, maybe never even been to Delaware and doesn't even know the DuPont story, what happens in the first two minutes that they come here? What happens in the first five, 10, on and on and on? And sort of how are we crafting that experience for them so that by the time they leave, even if they have not seen every single thing there is to see at Winotour, they're able to leave um, first and foremost having had a good time, but second, that they also have some idea of what this place is, right? To your point, it is a garden, it is a historic home, it is a library, um, and that they leave just with some under understanding of all of that. Do you find as you're crafting that um, experience that often storytelling becomes a part of that job? Yes, storytelling is a huge part of what we do. And um, so we recently did a survey of over 600 people um, who had taken one of our tours here. We offer a self-paced tour. Um, so we surveyed people as they were exiting. And that was the biggest piece of feedback we got was that, you know, think people would say things like, well, I'm really interested in the objects. And we would dig into that. And it wasn't just that they were interested in the objects. It was that they were interested in the people behind the objects. Who made it? Who used it? Um, why did HF collect it? Or why did Winnetor collect it? Um, and so storytelling is integral to telling those sort of deeper stories. <laughs> um, and we're also thinking a lot about how we are telling those stories and who is included in those stories. You know, you can have a very, a seemingly very simple object and straightforward object that actually has quite a broad story about, you know, even from where the materials used to create that object came from and who was gathering those materials and on and on and on. Um, and we're thinking much more um, intently, I think, and thoughtfully about those stories uh, as, as we're moving forward with interpretation, which is, it's really exciting. And I think visitors are excited to hear those stories. You tee me up for such a great next question, which is <laughs> that you all are, are renowned for your extensive collection of American decorative arts. And uh, do you all have a specific approach as it relates to kind of curating these exhibits to engage both art enthusiasts and the general broader public? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. I think it's something, um, I think it's something museums in general are, are grappling with at this point. So, so sort of, how do we meet the needs of someone who comes in, sees a Chippendale chair and knows exactly what they're looking at? <laughs> but then how do we meet the needs of a visitor who maybe doesn't know exactly what they're looking at. Um, and I think it it varies from exhibition to piece to, you know, to story being told. But I do think this concept of the, the broader story actually serves both of those audiences. So somebody who knows exactly what they're looking at, there's always gonna be something they don't know. <laughs> and somebody who doesn't know what they're looking at, you know, you're starting with a blank slate. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a fun challenge to 
really think through how to serve both of those audiences. In recent years, there's been a growing emphasis on making museums more inclusive and accessible. And how does how do you feel like Winterthur has strived to create a welcoming and more diverse environment for your visitors? Yeah, it, it's something we're constantly thinking about. You know, every time we envision a new program, every time we envision a new tour, we're thinking about who our audiences are, how we want to grow our audiences, um, and really just thinking through kind of every possible scenario of somebody who could walk through our door um, and how do we tell stories in ways that are interesting and relevant to them. Um, my team talks a lot about relevance um, and sort of not, not making guesses about that relevance, but really going to some of those communities and saying, what do you want to hear about? What, how are, how could we tell this story better? Um, and that has been, I, I've said exciting a lot, but I really like my job. And <laughs> um, that has been really exciting to start to hear from community members in very um, candid ways about our collection and about how we're presenting um the, the various narratives behind some of these objects. The creative sector as a whole has really undergone a significant change thanks to technological advancements, thanks to kind of the pause that we experienced during the pandemic. And I'm wondering if Winterthur has permanently adapted any, you know, meaningful technological changes and or uh, patron experience changes as it envisions the future of both your interpretation and kind of your storytelling efforts. Yeah, yeah. So um, one thing, one sort of COVID era <laughs> aspect of what we do here that I inherited because I, I was elsewhere during sort of the peak of COVID um, was the self-paced tour. So we offer a self-paced tour through the fifth and the fourth floors of the house. Um, there are guides stationed throughout the house to answer questions, engage in discussion. Um, but if you don't want to talk to anybody, you can also go that route. <laughs> I like to say I have people, you know, I've had visitors who have done the whole self-paced route in 20 minutes, and I have people who have done it in two hours because they've opted to talk to every single guide and ask, a, you know, a million questions, which is fantastic. Um, so that tour route was really, um, it was created during um sort of the height of the pandemic as a way to allow people to really self-distance. And we were, you know, we were able to crowd control a little bit better, but we found the visitors really liked it. They really liked the opportunity to uh, go at their own speed, ask questions at their own speed, engage in topics, you know, that they were particularly interested in. Um, and so we've, really made a commitment to making that a regular part of, of what we do here, of creating that experience where people can really customize their, their experience a little bit more. And then of course, we still offer guided tours through the house, which go a little more in depth. You see some other rooms and spaces like that. But um, yeah, that, that self-paced tour has really been kind of a game changer for us, which is, and, and for visitors as well. You know, we, we, we want to listen. We want to know what they want to see and how they want to see it and be able to respond. In the height of the pandemic, a lot of people or a lot of organizations rather focused on uh, virtual experiences, online content, kind of the, the back end of organizations. Uh, does Winterthur have any specific approach to the digital space as it extends your impact to engage audiences who might not either be able to visit in person 
or see the entire you know site in one visit? Yeah, absolutely. We actually have online. Um, it's a we call it a 360 tour, so you're able to virtually stand in one of the rooms look around, you know, the entire space uh, from your screen. You can click in on different objects and see the histories either related to the specific object or related to the estate history. Um, it's it's a fantastic tool. Um, and then we also offer, we have a huge virtual offering through our um, school programs. We actually just had, I was talking with our head of school programs recently, and we just had a school from the Bronx you know, they, they're never gonna, they're, they can't come to win a tour, certainly. So uh, for us to be able to present that information to them virtually and still be able to engage them and do a, a program that way, um, that's huge. And we're able to really reach uh, a, a lot of children and adults uh, in those ways. Coming soon, I know Winchester has the Artisans Market coming July 15th and 16th. Wonder if you can share a little bit with the listeners what that market is and why it's so important to the local creative economy. Yeah, so we are going into our third year of the Artisan Market. Every year, it just continues to grow in scope and attendance. It is incredible. I, you know, I worked, like I said, I worked at Winter about 10 years ago, and to see how how the concept of this estate and this place has expanded through programs like Artisan Market is just spectacular. The market is spread throughout the grounds. We're going to have over a hundred vendors. Um, all of them are from you know local either right here in Delaware or from neighboring states. Um, everything from jewelry to ceramics to furniture to plants to uh, you know, lavender, you know, everything you could possibly imagine. Um, this year we have a couple new features that I'm really excited about. Um, we will have a section called aspiring artists. So this is artists who have been in business, um, for a shorter amount of time. They're really looking to establish themselves and grow their business. Um, we had sort of a lower buy-in for those, those folks who qualified, which is really exciting. Um, we're also going to have a whole section that is just food, which as someone who loves food, I am thrilled about this. Um, we're going to have, uh, it, it's called Market Bites. And so again, that's all, uh, you know, local um, local vendors, local uh, food trucks as well. We're going to have a food truck called Bubbles and Brews, which is just this adorable little like retro food truck that has taps on it and everything. It's just, it's going to be fantastic. Um, and then several of our artisans have also designated themselves as be your own artisan station. So in addition to selling their goods, they'll also have um, DIY drop-in uh, programs and, and sort of mini workshops where people can try their own hand at, at being an artisan and, and test out their design skills, which is really, really cool. In your third year, do you find that you have artisans clamoring to come back year after year? We do. Absolutely. Um, we have several returning who were there in the first year, several who joined us last year, um, which is exciting. You know, it's a, it's a good sign that, you know, they're doing well at this market, um, which is fantastic that we're able to give local artists and artisans, you know, a venue. That's absolutely we should be a resource in that way. So that's, that's really exciting. Uh, Detail-wise, July 15th and 16th time? Yep, 10 to 4. 
Um, so once you're in, you're in, there's no time tickets, nothing like that. We are very, very, very and strong, uh, strongly encouraging pre-purchasing tickets. Um, it is a big weekend over the course of the weekend. Uh, we expect to see around 5,000 people. So you pre-purchase and you're, you're able to kind of get in a little quicker. Um, it is general admission. Uh, so our, our general admission prices apply. You can also add onto your purchase a tote bag so that all of your goodies that you buy from the wonderful artisans, you can, you can put in your tote bag as you go around. Um, there are open air and closed air shuttles running throughout the grounds to get people to the various locations uh, of the different artisans. Um, the house and galleries will both be open. So, uh, you know, you can take a break, come inside, get a little air conditioning, see some beautiful, beautiful art, and then head back out uh, and, and do a little more shopping. Just don't put anything from the museum into the tote bag. We would prefer you not yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. Do you have um, any other exciting new upcoming projects, exhibitions, or initiatives that you'd like to share? Absolutely. So uh, this fall in September, we will be opening an exhibit um, that features a designer named Anne Lowe. She, her, her name may not be sort of a household name to everyone, but she was an elite couturier. Uh, she designed the uh, Jackie Kennedy's wedding gown. Um, the reason she was not a household name is that she was working in you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, um, but she was black. And so she often didn't get sort of the name recognition and credit that she deserved. So this is gonna be one of the most extensive uh, retrospectives of her career. The dresses are, stunning. <laughs> I have seen them. Uh, they're currently in our conservation labs being uh, taken care of by our conservation team. And they are, I mean, so her signature was that she would create these handmade fabric flowers and they're, they're just incredible. I cannot wait for visitors to see these in person. Um, we, uh, so I said she designed Jackie Kennedy's wedding gown. Um, the wedding gown is too fragile to travel. So we've actually partnered with University of Delaware to create a recreation of the gown. Um, so that's going to be on view as well. And we'll kind of highlight how the gown was made and um, how the, 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 the artisans who made it um, came together and 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 recreated it. It's it's a fantastic story. And Lo, I mean, she's a she's a, a fascinating figure, and I'm I'm just so thrilled that uh, we're going to be able to to share her story and her name uh, with the the general public. As part of that, um, every year Yuletide, Christmas season is one of our biggest seasons. Um, this year, we're using that as an opportunity to highlight two uh, local fashion designers, uh, Sean Baron Pinkney and Asada Beeks. Um, they will be designing uh, six gowns, total of six gowns that will be in the house during Yuletide. So as a tie-in and sort of a tribute to Anne Lowe, they will be uh, featured in the house. So it's it's like the year of gowns and flowers. Um, it's 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 just really really fun. So I'm I'm I hope. I hope visitors get a chance to come out and see it. As you think to uh, the work that Winter uh, advances and, and programs, what role do you think you see the organization as it relates to promoting sustainability, promoting equity and diversity, and maybe even environmental awareness? Yeah, I mean, environmental awareness as such a significant natural resource in the state, um, we, we think 
incredibly carefully about the way that we, we manage the land. Um, and that goes from everything from the way that we manage sort of the naturally growing meadows to, you know, thinking about pollinators and, and native plants. Um, and in terms of, you know, equity, it's something we thread through everything that we do and accessibility as well. Um, you know, we, we want to make sure that this place is as accessible to as many people as we can possibly make it. And that accessibility goes from, you know, that, that includes all, all forms of accessibility. As we wrap up here, I'm wondering if you could share with me, what does success in your role or for your organization look like? I think success in my role, uh, I manage quite a large team. And for me, success looks like a happy team, both just personally, I want people to be excited to come to work. I want them to be working on projects that fill them with joy. I mean, there's, you know, that that is a, a big task. And I hope that, you know, people are excited to come to work. Um, for one thing, I, it, it, everyone should be excited to come to work, but also that's going to translate into the visitor experience. And I think the visitor experience for winter tour, you know, success at that larger level looks like happy visitors, you know, visitors who are engaged, visitors who are seeing themselves in the stories that we're telling in all the, in all the ways that that can happen. Um, and visitors who have had a good time, they've felt welcome. They've felt like these are places and spaces that they are allowed and more than allowed that, that they have agency to be in and be part of. That That's what success looks like for me. So, yeah. Reggie, thank you so much for joining me today. And if you'd like to learn more about Winterter, the programs coming up and or the Artisans Market, feel free to visit their website at www dot winterter dot org.